Hi, and welcome to Security Explained. I'm Chris Grayson. I'm Drew Porter. And I'm Logan Lamb. We're coming to you every two weeks with tips and tricks on how to protect yourself and your loved ones out there on the internet and in real life. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't after you. Government spying on their citizens is so commonplace that folks are not even surprised by it anymore. While U.S. citizens are often not surprised, they are unaware of the particular details. So sit back and relax while we talk you through some of the history of government spying on its citizens and how it impacts you. All right, starting with a heavy episode today. No joke. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) does your government spy on you is the first question, right? And I think I think at this point, everyone kind of agrees that like, yeah, a government spies on you. Unfortunately. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Now, you might have some citizens of other countries, let's say in Europe, where they're like, oh, the government doesn't spy on us or aren't there laws to protect us against this? And the answer is yes, there are laws. And then the second answer is there are loopholes in those laws. Just like finding vulnerabilities in software, there's a huge delta between the letter of the law. That's the intention of the law and the actual implementation of the law. It's, uh, I mean, as we see throughout so many things, not just security, but in life itself, there is what people want things to be like, and then there's reality. And unfortunately, reality is that even if you believe your government can't spy on you because XYZ laws, they, they may not be the ones spying on you directly. We have agreements with other countries, and so they'll spy on you. And, you know, in an example, when a president or a leader of Germany gets really angry because some other country was spying on them and they have to show that they're very angry at this, but then they like forget to tell their citizens like, oh yeah, we had agreements so that they can spy on us and then they'll give us the data (laughs) because it's technically not us spying on you. And that's what happened with... um, uh, what's her face? Uh, Merkel? Is that is that the... Um, a German Chancellor? Yeah. Yes. Um, and the US when she was getting all angry about uh, the US spying on her phone. It's like, this was this is part of your agreement. <laughs> also, your guys spy on us. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's important to point out that we said, yes, the government is likely spying on you. But that does not mean the government is targeting you as an individual directly. Correct. That's a good segue into, um, I'm pretty sure the etymology of dragnet comes from dragnet fishing, where, is that right? Yes. Yeah. It comes from uh, the fishing practice where you're just dragging huge nets and you're catching everything. And then, you know, once you pull everything in, you toss out what you don't want and you keep what you do want. But a lot of times, items that you don't want just end up dead. Just like your privacy when we have dragnet programs. Uh. (laughs) Dragnet surveillance methods, they're methods that uh, ingest as much data as possible, process it, filter it, and then allows the government to take next steps in a more targeted fashion. Now, some people might ask, like, where did this start? When did our erosion of privacy rights just like... Just start going down the drain. And 
there's a lot of answers to that. Depending on who you, you ask will depend on what type of answer they give you. Some will give you, oh, our, our rights to privacy started to go down the drain in the 1700s or you know the 1800s, early 1900s. But I think for the majority of us, the, the most recent one where we can really point to and say definitively that the erosion of privacy rights was, this was a tipping point, I would say, for the erosion of privacy rights is the Patriot Act. I agree. Uh, yeah. And the, the Patriot Act has so much in it. In fact, there are PhDs that just write their thesis on the Patriot Act itself. And these are some of the, uh, in, in terms of papers, some of the most in-depth and longest papers. And they'll just look like at a paragraph of the Patriot Act and they'll write their whole thesis on it, which is crazy to me. Um, because that just shows how much it involves itself with modifying previous law uh, and acting new new standards uh, and law that have widely been abused uh, and and the the abuse just seems so rampant and a lot of the items that we're going to talk about is going to be u s focused and that's not just because we're in the u s but that's also because I mean, every country would deserve an episode. And, and even in this episode, we're not going to be, we're just going to barely scratch the surface of anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to involve, you know, the Chinese and, and what they're doing. Because they're, I mean, they're doing everything that we're doing to like a whole nother level. And and there is so much more that they're doing. But with that, just just remember, we're not covering every country, though. We, I think, all agree that every country is spying on its citizens, but we're going to cover a lot of stuff in the U.S. for this episode. Uh, with that, though, we will talk about the five eyes, and we'll just do a brief summary of that. The five eyes is five key countries that have very strong friendships. And this five eyes cooperation really deals also with the erosion of privacy rights. And this allyship came before the Patriot Act. Um, but the five eyes is the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. And these uh, countries have came together multiple times to have huge buying programs. We'll talk about some of those, such as Echelon. But the next point that we need to drive home is, before we get into these spying programs, is... We have people that are worried about, you know, 5G or, you know, the vaccine has chips or, you know, oh my gosh, the government's tracking you in every, you know, every place, every space. It doesn't matter what you do. But, but we have to look at the reality of we self-volunteer to carry our own tracking devices. We all have cell phones. It's bonkers. They have cellular, Bluetooth, GPS. Data. Cameras, microphones. Cameras. Yeah. Right? Like, we carry the perfect tracking device on us willingly every single day. And it's kind of hard not to anymore. Even if you use what people would call a quote-unquote dumb phone, right? Dumb phones still have a lot of the capabilities needed to track someone. And then you couple that with... um social media and the way people will post 
private details of their lives online for everyone to read, uh, how much additional spying is really required at that point. Yeah, it. I mean, it, it's crazy. Just even as a non-state actor, a regular citizen could take the publicly available data from everyone. And we're not talking about getting private text messages or any of that stuff. We're just talking about publicly available data. And you can build pretty good maps about people, their social circles, and uh, their particular habits, their likes and dislikes, how you would, you know, manipulate them. I mean, we do this for social engineering. Mm -hmm. This in itself, it just shows, you know, people complain about the fact that there's no privacy in the world anymore. And yet, they go post about family drama on Facebook, right? Or they send yeah. a tweet out that that says, you know, some very personal stuff about their particular life. And it's just crazy, in my opinion. It's like, wh why are you doing that? Uh, don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, Logan is the prime example of someone who doesn't do any of that, actually. Nope. I, I don't think you have any social media accounts, right? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Oh, okay. It, it, LinkedIn has some utility to it. Yeah. But. So this uh, the first uh, program. What what program do you want to start with, Logan? Oh, uh, well, we have a couple on the list. How about Prism? Ah, uh, Prism. Yeah. Start off spicy. <laughs> but I think <laughs> yeah, they're all Prism. spicy. Yeah, they, I mean they all are pretty good. Prism though is one that probably a lot of people have heard of recently. It got leaked in what year? 2013, 2014? Something like that. It was part of the Snowden leaks. Uh, I think it was 2013. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely interesting, interesting year for anyone that was dealing with those type of programs. Um, but the core of PRISM was the United States government paying US companies for their data or for abilities to do special actions. The official term was special request and the documents. The crazy thing is like the total program cost itself around this 2013 timeframe was like sub, sub $40 million a year. And it might have even been half of that. It might have been around $20 million a year. That's so crazy. Let's, uh, let's talk about some of the particulars. What does that $40 million get you? As I remember it, uh, if you're using many of the prominent online services that manage your messages, videos, emails, what have you, uh, they were made available through the PRISM program. Yeah, this includes like file transfers that you're doing, stored data on cloud devices, right? Um Pretty much everything that people would, would consider, you know, confidential. This also included like data from VoIP phone calls. So, if you're using a VoIP system for work or uh, some people at that time were using it for personal use. Um, Prism started, uh, I believe, in 2007. So, a lot of these items where not a lot of people are using let's say, VoIP on their day-to-day -day that they know of intentionally uh, outside the office setting. Uh, this is still something that was being used outside the office setting for people on their day-to-day. -day. Uh, video conferencing, tons of tons of stuff. How many times you've logged in, when you logged in, where you logged in uh, to your various accounts. 
all this data was being collected. And, and this was being handed over by companies such as like Microsoft, which was the first company, I think, that got inducted into the prison program. Then we had Yahoo. We had Google. And then the, the order of these companies, I don't know for sure. But I know, you know, with Google, there came YouTube. Um, Facebook got involved. Skype got involved, even though that's a Microsoft company. AOL got involved. Like, what the heck is up with that? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to start slurping data from 80-year-old grannies that are still trying to use dial-up? Yeah, man. <laughs> but I, I do remember Apple was added in 2012. And they're one of the ones, one of the last ones. I mean, there, there are more companies involved with this, but those are some of the big hitting names, right? Cisco um, was involved in this and all that. So, there's a ton of companies involved with this. I remember when, uh, not to pick on Apple, but whenever it came to light that Apple was a part of this program, I was genuinely shocked. Going over that list of affected companies, that covers pretty much my entire online presence. Yeah, I mean, it covers the online presence, I think, of most people, probably most viewers or listeners uh, of this program have some type of an account with one of the companies that was listed. There was more data that was also provided through PRISM. There were uh, collection points and data collected from the FBI, collected from the CIA, and then they're stuffed into the PRISM uh, funnel, as some would call it. And they made it into a searchable database. Now, all this was done fairly automatic. So, this is why they call it not mass surveillance um, because mass surveillance technically requires at, at this time a human to interact with the data itself. And I think even afterwards, the lawsuits that came after PRISM, it, it showed that this data wasn't necessarily used, quote unquote, illegally. Um, or uh, abused in such a way that could be construed as uh, illegal mass surveillance, which just shows you the craziness of our laws. I think everyone agrees this is mass surveillance, but legally it's not uh, because only machines were looking at it, not humans themselves. I'm still so surprised at that, and I'm sure most of our listeners are as well, because ultimately our data is still being analyzed for the ultimate consumption of a person. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. It, I mean, it blows me away every time I like hear a new thing that comes out and it's just like, oh yeah, that's totally not illegal. It's like, how's that? How is that not illegal? Like, how? I'm not a lawyer, right? Lawyers, they get paid the big bucks. And, uh, but I, I just find it absurd that a lot of these things, because of, you know, technicalities. And that's how law works is technicalities. But just a lot of these items are just seen as totally fine, totally legal. And outside of the collections of data being given by companies, there's also pipeline collection. What I mean by pipeline is the trunked backbone for the internet going to different countries a lot of it comes to the U.S. Uh, a lot of the internet infrastructure, uh, there's a ton of it that comes that is based in the U.S. So it has to leave the U.S. border. 
Um, and this was mm-hmm. around, again, that 2013 timeframe and, and before. Now, more and more countries are trying to create their own independent backbone. So, so this method of uh, tapping these trunks is uh, there are major uh, internet lines that are transatlantic, transpacific, just between major continents. And these are effectively bumps in the wire that are able to monitor all of the traffic going to and fro. Whenever I hear, you know, the, the term of bump in the wire or something dealing with mass surveillance, my mind always goes to San Francisco, AT&T, room 641A. Man, that this is, is probably the only room that I know by its number anywhere in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I mean, I, I can't name another room number, like even on client sites that I've been to many, many times. But if someone says room 641A, it was a room that uh, the NSA was using inside of AT&T's building, which was slurping up you know, a ton of data. Again, it was doing a ton of warrantless tapping on data. And since this data was technically going outbound or inbound, it's, you know, international data. So, the NSA has jurisdiction over that. And uh, uh, it, uh, I mean, for a long time, there was a huge, it was a huge stink that, uh, you know, came out uh, about it. A lot of people thought it was crazy uh, that this is something that is, you know, happening. It, uh, when did it get leaked? It got like announced to the public. I think it was like 15 years ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, a long, long time ago. And I bet you it was, it was all over the news back then. Uh, but I bet you the majority of people that even heard about it have forgot about it. Right. And that's, this is the problem that we run into with a lot of these surveillance programs there's just so many of them. We hear about it. It becomes an outrage for like a week or two. And then everyone cares about, you know, oh, what is uh, uh, what is the Kardashians doing? Or, uh, you know, wh- who's tweeting what? Right. And they forget that, like, there's these huge mass surveillance programs that were just leaked to them. And <laughs> so, um, you know, it's kind of like you were saying in the intro. Um the citizens may not remember the particulars of these uh, news articles, but they do internalize that, okay, people are spying on me, or at least that capability exists. Mm-hmm. It, it blows my mind whenever I speak to um, friends or family who you know, don't keep up with security, aren't really techies. And you ask them questions, it's like, do you think the government is able to spy on you? And they're like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. And then and then they're just like, hey, do you, uh, you know, did you hear what happened last week? And it's, it's like, wait, time out. We we're just having a serious conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's put the ball game on. <laughs> uh, yeah. But but um, I, I mean, this this, this room, uh, 641A. It was, from a technological standpoint, it was insane. The capabilities, the, the hardware that they had in there, the, it really opened up my eyes 
to the ability to tap into like fiber optic because a lot of people think like, oh, it's fiber optic. You can't, you can't tap into it. And, and I had that thought for a long time. And that's actually was a selling point for fiber optic at one time in the early years. It was like, oh, fiber, you can't tap it like you can cable. And the answer oh, is... Oh, I like, forgot about that. Yeah. It, I mean, it, yes, you are correct. You can't tap it like you can cable, but uh, you can still tap it from beam splitters to uh, even beam bl- uh, benders. Uh, and that's actually how we like... I've had to do fiber optic tapping... Uh, on an engagement one time, I I really don't like doing it because it is such a high risk um, procedure. But you can put micro bends in a fiber optic cable. That then that micro bend, what it does is it causes a two percent loss of light um, that bleeds out of the fiber optic cable, and you can passively intercept data off this cable. Now. The NSA wasn't just passively intercepting. They were having it go. Well, I mean, it was passively, I guess, but uh, in, in the sense that the data still got to where it needed to go. But they're using beam splitters. And what this means is that they were taking a fiber optic cable and then they would have a device on one end of these fiber optic trunks um, carrying the internet backbone traffic. And it would go to where it was supposed to be routed, but then it would also go to an intensively, you know, large processing unit for it to start viewing the data and and start categorize this data. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, uh, it's crazy to just, I mean, this is what, early 2000s? 2003 is when this program first was, marked and it was leaked to the u.s public in 2007 and i remember you know 2007 um i was still in high school at this time and uh, hopefully that doesn't make any of our listeners feel too old uh but uh 2007 uh in high school and i remember hearing about this um there's like a tv show that came out on it um, or or some type of documentary, and I was like, "Wow, this is crazy! I I can't believe like this is a possibility." And it really opened up my mind to, if this is what we can do now, like, what else can we do? I know there was an a lawsuit in two thousand six uh, dealing with it, uh, and the EFF Electronic Frontier Foundation, which if you don't support them, definitely support them, uh, give them some donations. They do some great work uh, on do. all this. But yeah, I mean, th- there's this lawsuit from this AT&T can, uh, technician. And I forget his name now. Um, but he filed this lawsuit like, hey, what's in this building? And it, his superiors were always saying like, oh, yeah, don't worry about it, blah, 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 you know, giving him the runaround. And eventually he filed a lawsuit, which is crazy. Like we would never, this could still be going on well, I mean, this probably still does go on, but this could go on and on and on. And we would never have known if it wasn't for that AT&T technician that was like, yo, something like fishy is going on in this room. And it, it, this this is how we know about these things, right? Because of whistleblowers, good, mm-hmm. bad, or indifferent. This is how we learn about these capabilities if you're not on the inside of that. Speaking for myself, I'm so glad to be aware of it. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. It, it it does help because then you can better understand what is the possibility and how to better protect yourself. But this episode is not about protecting yourself, unfortunately. This episode is just about all the bad things <laughs> that, that the U.S. <laughs> government has been has been doing, uh, including things like uh, a popular one that that I think everyone has ever has heard this name before when it comes to surveillance, but uh, the name Stingray Ooh. when it comes to like cellular data collection. Um, so much so that it is the slang name used for anything dealing with cellular, uh, you know, ISME catchers or 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 text message interception, phone interception, even though it is a particular model of a tool, which is an old model, now defunct, if you want to know the new name. Um, they have a uh, hailstorm, which is out. It's been out for a little while. They have different models from that as well, but are you giving the marketing pitch? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, Stingray's Hailstorm, this, this is the exact same idea as Room 641A, except for wireless. A Stingray acts as a completely legitimate cell phone tower. So, your cell phone connects to it instead of just another one managed by your provider. And since you're connecting to them, they are now a bump in your airwave. I don't know if that really continues, but they're able to transparently monitor all of your communications. Yeah. And in the beginning, um, so so I've played around with Stingray units before. Part of my job was um, around cellular interception and stuff like that. And like a way, way, way long time ago. But with that, these systems that they have unique ways of working and and uh, in my opinion they're kind of the i mean they're still around and and law enforcement and, and lots of places are still using them um but they are a dirtier method for interception because um they do and, and there are ways to make this more sophisticated but they rely on doing downgrade attacks. Um, some don't. You can import what is called a private key into these. And now you can just, you look just like an AT&T or, you know, whatever Verizon cell tower. But they are unsophisticated compared to other capture techniques that you can use. Um, but they are, they are mostly used when you hear about stingrays and stuff like that, how they are mostly used by law enforcement now is not necessarily to monitor uh, your data, though they do have that capability. And if you're wondering how hard it is for someone to use that capability, even if they don't have a warrant um, for it, uh, you click on the option to monitor and a little window will pop up and says, hey, uh, you know, do you, do you have essentially legal authority to do this? And then you click on the yes option <laughs> and <laughs> all right. Now the software is like, cool. We did our part. We made sure that, you know, they, there's your oversight. They, yep. <laughs> there you go. We have it in our logs now. And it, I mean, it, it's just nuts how, how, how they have that like security mechanism in there. <laughs> I remember when I saw it at first and it was just like, do you have a legal authority to do this? I was like, what prevents someone from clicking yes? And they're like, oh yeah. They, I mean, they can get in trouble. I was like, right. 
But how many people have gotten in trouble? <laughs> it's like how everyone online's at least 18. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, but but the, these newer systems, they can target, you know, LTE and stuff like that. Again, they're not breaking. The, the funny thing about it is they're not breaking the security mechanism uh, and the privacy mechanisms built into these protocols. They're, they're breaking other parts of cellular communication. We don't have to get too in-depth into it because it can be a whole litany. Um, and, and this podcast isn't a, um, you know, a super, super technical podcast. But there's a litany of ways to break or, or to fool cellular devices to allow you to get certain things to them. Uh, but how, how you use them most of the time is for tracking location. So, yeah. you have a cell device that you know is tied to let's say human trafficker and this human trafficker you're looking for this particular cell device so you turn on the stingray you know these are the you know five areas this human trafficker usually hangs out in and um, you're driving around in an suv or a truck it doesn't matter the type of vehicle um, that it needs to be installed in uh, it doesn't even have to be a permanent install uh, i've helped put these systems into rental cars before um <laughs> which is always looks very weird, but uh, it, it works out still the same. And uh, they, they find someone. Um, and then once they find someone, though, it will give you a general location. General being like, this person is definitely he here within, you know, 30 meters. And then what, what you need to do is there's another tool um, that's not a stingray, uh, but it acts very similarly. It will interact with, you know, your... Uh, and, and these Stingrays and, and Hailstorm systems, these are systems developed by Harris. Uh, there are other better ones out there um, developed by other companies. Um, and, and I've played with the majority of them, I, I will say. Um, but you have another system that's tied into it called a finisher. And the finisher is a device that allows more... Um, like allow you to get down to a few meters of accuracy. So instead of 30 meters, like this person's in the 30 meter radius, this finishing tool will work with your interception device and get you down to two meter accuracy. So it will be able to tell you this person is in this apartment building on this floor, right? Like this is where it's at. You know, they're, they're 30 feet up and you know, they're, they're, 10 feet away and it's like okay they're on the third story or they're on the second story and they're close to the stairwell and uh yeah it's 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 crazy to see how they work i mean they work very well that's why law enforcement and the government keeps on buying them which funny enough law enforcement uh actually no longer has support for the harris system sustain ray that the hailstorm and others the sharks because it was causing Harris too much bad PR and law enforcement was only like two to 3% of their revenue. So like, yeah, we're just going to stop supporting law enforcement. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That, that happened quite a while ago. Now there are other systems law enforcement has, which in my opinion, again, are much better. Um, so it's not like, Oh, law enforcement doesn't have this capability. It's like, nah, they have better capability now um, by competitors of Harris. These are typically used when we think about, you know, the, the government spying on cell phones. Everyone thinks about the Stingray. Um, just note that that's a model and not necessarily an actual 
you know, the name of the of the methodology. It's just a product model, but it's it's synonymous enough with the term like, you know, cell phone spying or or government spying on cell phones. So a lot of people use it. And it is again, it was a cool technology. Um there are better technologies out there, and that's what law enforcement is using now. It's the better technology, the better versions of it. Um, it's pretty crazy. Drew, I remember uh, years ago when we were still working together, I was walking up, uh, walking through a parking lot, and I saw you putting a bunch of radios inside your black SUV. Yeah. So, man, that was... Yeah, that was a long time ago. Um, so, at that time, uh, I was making what is called the SIGINT Jeep. Um, but it, it it was using at, at that time, which now I actually I use commercial gear in it instead of more open source based technologies. Um, but I was putting a software defined radio, which is like what the Stingray um, or, or the, Hail, the Hailstorm system will use. Um, and uh, putting tying it into uh, a computer, which I was using a gigabyte bricks at that time because I had a graphics card that I could do a lot of like acceleration of data coming in. And uh, yeah, I was putting five antennas, um, four um, general use antennas, depending on the frequency I wanted it would depend on what I would put on there. At that time, I was using Cellier because I was what I was most comfortable with. Um, and a GPS antenna onto my Jeep so I could do a similar function as the Stingray itself, right? We could also do uh, heat mapping. Uh, my Jeep was in a parade and we were doing general like heat mapping of signals while this Jeep was going in a parade. Yo, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, 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 Chris was actually in the Jeep at that time. Uh, <laughs> in that parade, <laughs> um, uh, we weren't monitoring any data. It was just, we were just collecting data and being able to build a general heat map of like, oh, this is the type of data that we saw, whether it be Bluetooth, um, which the software defined radio we were using for, um, cellular for Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. We actually just use, I, I was using a Bluetooth and Wi-Fi radio, like purpose built. A dongle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was two Bluetooth dongles and there's two uh, Wi-Fi dongles and those are being collected on a separate computer than the other one. Um, and we just were using, um, it was uh, for the software defined radio stuff, um, we we're just using a module I wrote for um, GNU Radio Companion. And so it's a visual representation of, of the programming. Uh, that you're doing, but yeah, it it uh, it had its own Forbes article. Um, shortly after, a lot of people asked me like, "Oh, what happened to it? Like, where where is it? Or like, where can I get an update for it?" Um, shortly after, I actually I switched to commercial equipment because um, I was able to get a very good uh, deal on some commercial equipment. So I moved away from the from the you know USRP, um, and I moved to a uh, Dell laptop and, um, I won't name the company, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> that's they fair. Probably, they wouldn't be too happy if I named them, but, um, uh, they don't uh, want yeah, your endorsement. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they do, but not to the public. <laughs> they only want my endorsement when I'm talking to law enforcement and the government. Oh, fair. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, now it's a much more, let's call it a professional 
setup, right? But yeah, that's exactly what I was doing, right? I was doing a permanent install for what you would see typically with these, you know, Stingray type systems for law enforcement. And it uh, never made any money off of it. It wasn't designed to be have money made out of it. It was just a fun project where I can do signals intelligence uh, while driving around my Jeep. I, uh, I'm really glad you brought up one of the primary use cases of this technology is it, it gives you precise location. And that immediately makes me think of other surveillance techniques to give precise location. And those can also be dependent on where you are within the country. So for those who don't know, and uh, Drew, correct me if I'm wrong, but for citizens that are within 100 miles of a border, the laws affecting surveillance of their wireless signals, it's different than if you're living in the interior of the country. Isn't that right? Yeah, it is. And, and it's uh, the general rule is like uh, 50 miles. Um, oh, 50. It's like, this, okay. it's like the, safe, the safe place for the government to operate. Now, it may extend past 50 miles, um, but there are particular rules that come into effect once you leave that 50-mile range. So, you could do 100 miles. Uh, you can do border to border in, in some situations as well. But yeah, that if you're within 50 miles of a border, uh, please understand that you are now in a uh, <laughs> very surveillance prone zone. Uh, or a very permissible. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, and these are done with drones just flying over. Um, this could be done with other methods as well. But but actually literal drones flying over cities um, near the border, just scooping up all types of data, not just cellular data, anything that they can get. They're having these, these wideband transceivers on these drones, and they're just getting anything that they can get, whether that be tire pressure monitor data, uh, Bluetooth data, wireless, anything that they want, including cellular. And again, it's another crazy crazy item where once you know how much data is being slurped up in this dragnet that you realize how far we are from ever having real privacy again. Talking about uh, pulling data off of phones, uh, which again, there's tons of ways to do this and, and it's not always targeting phones, but people's lives are tied to their phones there's a device called a Celebrite, and Celebrite has some cool uh, items to it. It can pull data off your phone itself, um, and it can be used for forensic investigation. Cell carriers used to have this at their office just to transfer data from one phone to another, um, which they don't really use that um, for it anymore. But more importantly, I think from a... Uh, from a getting back at the man perspective, the Celebrite unit recently uh, was hacked and it was uh, a random Celebrite showed up in front of some researchers, one of them whose name is Moxie Marlin Spike. Uh, he is the um, creator behind the application Signal, which is a secure calling and texting application. And if you don't have it, 
Uh, this you is, should use it. Yeah, you should use it. We're not sponsored by Signal in any way. Um, no they affiliation. probably don't even know we exist, but uh, we all use it. And it is an amazing piece of equipment. It's so easy to use. I mean, my mom uses it. My dad uses it. My brothers, um, who are less technically inclined um, than me, um, use it. My mom, who is nearly a, a Leadite, uh, uses Signal. That's how easy it is to use. So, um, if you don't use it, use it. The secondary purpose for why you want to use it is because if your phone is taken by law enforcement, legally or illegally, let's assume it was taken illegally, and they want to get all your data off your phone, they plug it in, and if you have signal on your phone, it will actually hack the the Celebrite uh, unit that they're using and uh, make it so that... Data is not really coming off your phone for for that particular unit now. Um, so again, we're not lawyers, uh, and, and it's not an intentional hack. It's now just a bug in Signal. Um, so you're not in trying to intentionally destroy data. Uh, it's just a a bug in Signal that was that was made in the latest update. And why fix it? So if you're if you if you get what I'm saying there. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. Speak to your own lawyer. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, it is a good piece of equipment where, or a good piece of software to have on your phone uh, because now it's, it's fighting back uh, for, for your privacy in a, in a very different way than what most people think about when they say fighting back for privacy. So Celebrite, they're used to take data off your phone. Well, now... Uh, if you have buggy software, let's call it, on your phone, it can't do that anymore. And you can read more about the Celebrite hack if you look up Celebrite uh, versus Signal. And we'll put a we'll put a link to it in the um, show notes for this. We'll put a link to a lot of the, the stuff that we've talked about today into the show notes so that you can div- dive deeper into it. Because again, we're barely scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's celebrite hack such a good blog post so entertaining oh yeah i was i was dying it it was great uh <laughs> but but with this <laughs> let's let's talk about the three takeaways of this episode one the government spies on its citizens and this is well known two it's hard to go up against groups that have unlimited time and unlimited money like the government and three if you do want to try to stake your claim and go up against them, get involved with privacy groups such as the EFF and the ACLU. They're going to be your best starting point. We have not even scratched the surface of all the government spying programs. And though government spying is so commonplace and seems like an impossibility to fight against, we don't want you to leave discouraged. Being aware of such items is the first step in being able to take action against it. Later this season, we will discuss how you can protect yourself from some of these government intrusions into your life. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Security Explained. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for new topics that our audience finds interesting, and you might be able to pick our next show. Feel free to reach out via social media or give us a rating on your listening platform to let us know how we're doing. You can find us on the web at securityexplained.fm or on Twitter at SecExplained. Thanks again, and until next time, stay safe. Stay safe.